Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer of the Action Network, and this is your NBA Draft 2023 Best Bets episode. Join me today to catch up on all the latest in the rumors and intel and mock drafts and all of that are two great draft bettors. We've got Luke Swain, Vegas Refund on Twitter. He is one of the absolute maestros that we've got over the Action Network breaking down the draft and betting on the draft and his approach is scientific and it is uh dispassionate and it is clean which is why i always appreciate talking to luke because he doesn't get caught up in all the nonsense i have to talk about with everything else uh related to the draft uh, also joining me is brandon anderson who's got takes about just about everybody in the draft he's an absolute draft nick he's a draft obsessed person most years this year uh he has still been i don't know you're still more draft obsessed than 90 percent <laughs> of the planet including me uh, we'll get his takes on everything. Want to let you know that everything we talk about can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. I have two articles up. I'm gonna have a third one up by the end of the time that you hear this. Um, I've got a thing up on the latest intel with free agency and how those things play out. I've got a specific article about Damian Lillard. I gotta update it because Mark Stein's report on Paul George. I heard um, not that it needs to be checked out, but after Mark Stein reported that, I was like, so PG, and then everyone's like, oh yeah, PG, and I was like, thanks for letting me know. So apparently PG is also on the board for a possible trade to the Portland Trailblazers. The article does kind of go through what the the game of chicken that's looking at right now with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they have very few options going into this draft for who they can trade for. If Paul George does not happen, if Zion Williamson does not does not happen, I will tell you right now that things are going to get real tense uh, in the Rose Garden area. Uh, all right, we're going to do best bets today, but first I want to have go through the top section of the draft. I want to just go because that's where everybody like pays the most attention. And there's still a little bit of drama. No drama at one. Victor Wembanyama. I bet Scoot Henderson to go number one back in like January. Luke was like, what are you doing? Um, I was basically banking on at some point there being like a, Hey, maybe it's something like, well, you know, Victor's Victor didn't look good or suffered an injury. And like, I don't know. And then like, it, the gap was so wide. It never got there. So that bet's dead. I will live with that. I'll own that one. I would bet it again, but it's fine. Number two is where we start to get like an interesting kind of conversation. Um, Luke, let's start with you. So this is what I've heard. I've heard there are two things out there. Brandon Miller's people have told everyone he's going to. So everything that you're hearing about Brandon Miller is in it too. That's going to be two. That I, my opinion is that's coming from Brandon Miller's agency. That doesn't mean that he's not going to. It doesn't mean that he is going to, because I also I, I checked in this morning and got told from several people, Charlotte has not made a final decision. Brandon Miller thinks he's going to, had a great second workout. They had him back in. He killed the workout, killed the interview. Everyone loves him. Sounds great. However, I am still, still 
a, a little bit like I think that depending on the number, I think there might be some value on Scoot Henderson here. I do not think this is as certain as the market is reflecting based off of where I think this information is coming from, Luke. Yeah. So, I mean, and I feel like we're stuck in a loop right now based like after the last year's NBA draft and even the NFL draft just a month ago. Um, where like the odds were already flipping back and forth within a couple hour time frame, and Waj tweeted out last night about Miller being the favorite to go number two, and the odds flipped, and he was absolutely wrong last year. And it is crazy how much like if this was last year, like the odds probably would have quadrupled. Brandon yeah. Miller would be like minus a thousand, right. just purely based off of last year. Like Miller's at minus five hundred right now. And, I definitely expect there to be a lot more movement. And I will say I'm with you. Like, I don't, we, like, we really, I don't think we know. I don't think anyone knows. Um, Scoot did just have an interview. I want to say like 30 minutes ago, um, a press conference. And he was kind of implying, it was giving me like Portland vibes where he was like speaking to like playing time and, th- and things like that, where mm. there's another report about him and Charlotte this morning. Uh, so like, honestly, we don't know. Like, if you want to get it on Scoot now, it would probably be the time. Uh, but you definitely missed your second opportunity, I want to say, on Miller. Like, prior to yesterday, where the first opportunity was when he was 9-1 to one a month ago. And then Scoot was the favorite for the last probably five days. And Miller went up to minus, I think he was, like, plus 200 at one point. So that was your second window. Um, and I believe you've missed both windows at this point. And it would be Scoot or bust if you want to bet into it at this point. So I want to be, be very clear about my position on Adrian Wojnarowski, a future Hall of Famer and one of the most plugged in individuals in the history of the planet. Um, Woj's hit rate is exceptional. So I'm not going to sit yeah. and look at at last year's results, which like, look, we we may bank on like we did real well last year on Palo. <laughs> um, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's like not. I'm not going to sit here and say that like, there's reason to, to doubt Woj, but I will just say that there are all of these factors that wind up influencing what gets reported as far as like who's going where. And these decisions I think are fluid. And I think the biggest thing is just that Charlotte would probably be saying, we haven't decided. Like we just haven't made the call yet. And if you're like, how can you not know 24 hours out? And it's like very easily you have until the, if this is such a big decision for your franchise and it is, you don't get number two picks very often. um, You need to be very, you need you should take as long as possible and debate it out like i think that's the healthiest thing to do is if you if there's not unanimous agreement inside your organization if you're if it's not one of these situations where there's a clear top two and you just take whoever the other guy is if that's not and this isn't that situation i'm honestly like i will continue to say like i'm i'm just shocked that this is like even a conversation based off of like what i hear like I talk to executives that are not in this level of the draft and I talk to them and they're like, Oh, it'd be Scoot Henderson. Are you kidding me? He's like, a, like that there's like, he could be like a franchise guy. What about Miller? Yeah, he's good. I'm like, why, are, what, what is this conversation? Um, Brandon victory lap time <laughs> staked his pole immediately on top of Brandon Miller, number two mountain. And I was like, really? You're going, you're, you're taking the fit over the best player available. But what I did not factor in is that the Charlotte Hornets are the ones in charge of this pick. Um, Brandon, I guess <laughs> my question for you, I'm going to let you victory lap, but also just like, do you have any interest in betting Scoot right now, given your opportunity to ARB this? Yeah, I mean, I already had the ARB spot, so I think I'm just kind of like watching and, and waiting for cash to come in at this point. The 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 bet really wasn't even on Charlotte specifically to go for Brandon Miller. The the plus 160 Brandon Miller was before the lottery even happened. It was just on, okay, here are the teams that could go at number two. Here are the teams that that would fit for. You yelled at me at the time, I think correctly so in the draft. At the top of the draft, you should not be drafting for fit. You are drafting at the top because you suck. Take the best player. Everyone thinks Scoot's the best player. I think Scoot is the best player among, you know, among not women yamas, we're talking here. Uh, even I can admit to that one. Uh, I, I believe actually I was the one in our group chat, like way back in the fall, trying to to convince you guys that we should be betting on Scoot to go number one. So I, I'll, I'll take the fall for that one. Um, it's, it's not going to happen. But right now I see a Scoot number two at plus 275. So that's implied about 27%. So one in four. So to me, I, the, the way that I interpret what you just said, Matt, about the intel. 
I think it's ludicrous personally to think that a team after all this time, all the interviews, all the tape, all their study, their entire job is to choose who they would want to not know who they want the day before, I think is insane. I think they absolutely know. I just think they quote unquote don't know because it's one more chance to drum up some trade interest from the teams that would move up because they absolutely know no one's training up for Brandon Miller. It's for Scoot. So I think that they quote don't know so that they can try and make one more push for the trade offer that they probably haven't been getting yet. Hoping someone still makes that move for Scoot. So I think the question for me is what's the percentage? Like we, these, these draft numbers get wonky sometimes as we saw with Paolo Jabari last year. And we've seen a lot of other spots. The draft is binary. When guys put up their mock drafts, they can't put Scoot Henderson 40% at number two, Brandon Miller 60%. Like they can't do that. They can only put one guy at the spot. So then everyone else sees that. And now this mock draft has it. So everyone else is like, oh, well, that's a pretty reputable mock draft, or this is a good sourcing. We better do that. Like they can't do part measures. We can. That's what we have to do as a batter. So I think plus 275 feels too long for something that is being painted binary, like Brandon Miller is the pick, he's the guy, we have this now, versus the open field of possible uncertainty or at least trade uncertainties. Matt, what percentage, because we can guess percentages, unlike a mock draft, I I think we agree, first of all, guys, do we agree 100% or as close to it as we can, Scoot or Miller number two, two options. Do we agree on that, yes? Yeah, easily. Okay. So what percent would you guess? Give me, give me a second (laughs) for purposes of our discussion. Yes. We'll get, okay. You're, you're going to give Amon Thompson like a 1% in there. Is that what your face is saying? It's more than that, but go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, so let's say then let's give it 97% of our hundred. It's one of these two. What, how much of that percent, how much of the near hundred percent pie would either of you Luke you first, how much percent would you give Scoot Henderson to be in that range there to be number two. What what percent likely? Because we don't have to just lock in on a hundred percent. This is the guy at number two. What percent likely would you make it? I'll go first. And I I will say, I I think it's what's the implied implied right now. The best number I'm seeing is 27%. I think it's like 40. I like, I'm, this is guesstimate, but I'm telling you, it's like, I think it's 60, 40. I think it's 60, 40. And the only reason I think it's 60, 40 is because I'm giving Woj 10%. Like I'm giving Woj, it goes from 50-50 to Woj says it, so I'm giving, I'm bumping it to 60. I think this is 60-40. I think 40% implied should be the number for Scoot Henderson. Factoring. Yeah, 40 40 is the number I had in mind also for Scoot. So that's, I think if you just want to kind of like uh, listen to our podcast from Monday, my whole thing is bet on uncertainty. I think you want to bet on uncertainty. There is enough uncertainty here at number two. There's not as much certainty as a minus 500 is implying for Brandon Miller. So I think if you want to bet on uncertainty, Scoot is bettable right now. So Luke, you you you're you're driven a lot towards one of your approaches is um, you've got an awesome doc that you let us have access to that breaks down where all the mocks are at. Um, based off of that, knowing the copycat nature of it, like does the overwhelming consensus being Miller at two, how does that shape your opinion on this based off of your process for betting these things? So really, it's like the Honestly, it's the four guys like we have Vicini, O'Connor, Gavoni, and Wasserman are like the four core guys for me that are like, I think everyone else is somewhat copying off of. And I want to say three of those four. So Wasserman, Gavoni, and O'Connor all updated their mocks yesterday and moved to Brandon Miller. And then naturally you see like the smaller time guys or just the regular media, like piggybacking off of them somewhat. So you have to take like those guys with the grain of salt, but at the same time, when you see an alignment between those like core four, let's say to me, that is worth something. Um, especially when they, all of them flipped, they were scoot and they flipped to Miller yesterday, which that's like something of like a telltale uh, where this high, those are like really the four that I really only care about. And then everyone else is kind of, to me is copycat. Um, the The tough thing for me is, when I start looking at this from a, and this is where it gets into like real meta, like you got to do, you got to do inside baseball, so to speak, inside basketball kind of stuff here of <laughs> like, I don't know who these guys sources are. 
Like I'll, I'm going to be like open and honest about that. If you had me guess, I would not be like, I have no idea. I would be like, I have some ideas about who it is that they're talking to. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that I think is, is important though, is once <laughs> here's the other thing, when a text goes out, it doesn't go out to one person. They send the same text over and over again to the same people. That's team people and agencies. So like the same info is going to get distributed to the same key members, especially if there is a, if there is a um, directive in place, like if there is a, if there is intention to drive a, a narrative. Now, I'll also say this, like what I don't want to do is I don't want to get so caught up in my resistance to a concept that I put my money behind basically being like, this process seems flawed. Because that doesn't necessarily mean that the end result changes, right? Like, no, right. It, it could be, like, all of this information can be coming from Miller's camp, and Mil and that can be right. Like, that could be absolutely accurate, just because Mitch Kupchak is choosing not to engage in sharing information, much the same way that Orlando did in last year. Like, just because Orlando, they didn't share anything, and their information was different, doesn't mean, like, if it's a binary, like Brandon described, between Henderson and Miller... And just because I'm like, I don't understand why this is even a conversation because everyone I talked to was like, Scoot Henderson is a franchise player and Miller's like a good player. Like, he'd be an all-star. But like, it's very strange to me how this has kind of worked out. Um, and, but like, to me, it's like Miller, Miller is a favorite right now, has been the favorite for the last two months. Right. So like, if anything, like we should be arguing against Scoot because Scoot flipped to the number one right. for the first time in multiple months last week for right. five days. And if anyone needs a bounce back, it would be Waj. And if anyone's more like connected, yeah, um, it's got to be him. And in yeah. the context that he had last night, there was definitely – he didn't go – he didn't put in the context he's like, this team is starting to have – like usually he like beats around the bush, but yesterday it felt That's a lot exactly. more direct. Like he was yeah. kind of calling a shot more on TV relative to, and like well, last year with Jabari, he was like really tiptoeing around it. Brandon, Brandon, what's the parlay on Adrian Wojnarowski gets the, gets a significant <laughs> pick of the top five wrong in consecutive seasons. Like that. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't be on the second half leg of that parlay. Yeah. Let, let yeah, me ask you guys this though. Because... This is like the chiefs losing by 30. Right. Like, right. Next game. So, so let me paint a picture here because I think that there's a scenario that we, we're going to guess right now. I'm going to have you guys guess. We're recording this Wednesday lunchtime. Thursday night is the draft. Most years, what happens, and this did not go this way last year. So if we ignore last year, most years, the number one pick of the draft, we know by the time the draft starts. And I'm not saying Wemby here. Wemby's number one. Number two is number one. Most years, something like 5 p.m., the tweet comes out, the Charlotte Hornets have decided upon X. Let's say that that's Brandon Miller. That seems like the scenario that looks likely at this point, that if there is that tweet, that it would be that. Let's say that Woj or whoever, a source comes out 5 p.m. Thursday, couple hours for the draft, Brandon Miller will be the choice. The odds move to like minus 2,500 for Miller. Scoot is now 10 to 1. Are you more or less likely to fire a bet? I know you're not betting on Miller at that number. Are you more or less likely to bet on Scoot with that information on the cusp of the draft at 10 to 1 or some very long number? I am less likely because at that point, I have to feel like Charlotte has gone ahead and let and let the cat out. Like That to me is like the opinion. Is like I would read that as that Charlotte has given permission to like basically announce that it's going to be Miller. Um I don't think that tweet comes personally. Okay. I'm the same. same. I'm less likely. I mean, like last year was, last year was, I don't think we'll ever relive again. Like Never. the chaos <laughs> of last year is you kind of got to treat as an outlier. And if it's like someone like Waj, like Shams making a statement like that, um, I'm kind of just moving on. <laughs> yeah, hoping I yeah, got good. That's fair. I My instinct as the long shot seeker is to dig in my heels and say, well, Nothing would have changed between now and then. If my feel right now is that this is a trade-up possibility, then why couldn't that trade offer still come in now that they've said even more, here's our pick, here's our guy. Why couldn't that trade offer still come in that two-hour window and at a much better number, four times the price? But you're right. We got 
reporters with egg all over their face last year. <laughs> and these guys are not going to want to do that again a couple hours before the draft. So I probably that the human side has to factor in all of the um, the other thing I will say is that all of the trade talk with Charlotte I, from what I've heard, and again, it's just me what I've heard. It's died down. Um, Toronto and New Orleans both talked to Charlotte. And then like, I didn't hear anything about it again. So it sounds like Charlotte's basically like, this is what I don't understand. Again, this is what I don't understand. They're not taking the best player available, but they're also <laughs> demanding an insane return on the number two pick. And I'm just like, you guys are really going to turn down offers that are probably going to get you better players <laughs> to take a, a worse player at number two. Now, look, again, I want to be very clear. Brandon Miller could be like a five-time all-star and like a top 10, like a top five player that like, I, I have no idea. I, I I have no idea. I am just saying that based off of the information, like how it's been presented to me, none of this makes sense. But if you also tell me like, how do you, what's the variable that makes all this make sense? It's, oh, it's Charlotte. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that tracks them. Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Um, <laughs> let's go to number three. Let's move on. So the Blazers have, I've, I like as I said, I kind of wrote about this. It's either Zion Williamson for the number three pick. It's like Zion Williamson and stuff, or Zion Williamson for the number three and stuff, or it's um, Paul George for the number three and stuff are the two things that are kind of on the board. It's always possible someone comes in late and I there's something that I don't even see coming. Like there's that's always entirely possible. And by me, I mean like anybody, like all of us are just caught blindside by like what's out there. That there there are teams that operate in complete silence, like total lasagna. Um I will say this that I don't okay. Well, let me let me put it this way. So I was like, no one's moving up for anybody but Scoot Henderson. That's that was my position, even like I don't know, Sunday. I may have said that on Monday's pod. D did hear from a few people that apparently Amon Thompson has just like a workouts and he's a player that, that folks can fall absolutely in love with. Um, I haven't decided whether I want to bet Amon Thompson to go number three, which would be an insane long shot at this point. Um, but let me put it this way. It wouldn't be absolutely insane. Like to me, if you just asked me to do like, what's like the most likely scenario based off of the evaluations from the people that you talk to, including draft consultants. For me, it's like, oh, it would be Victor and then Scoot and then Amon and then maybe Miller and then like whoever else, right? And there's value to be found there, but that goes against everything that's been projected. And I am like subject to, even if that's like the evaluation, I have a hard time getting there in terms of being so confident as to bet that. Maybe I should, maybe that'd be a good bet but I have a really hard time getting there and ignoring everything that we hear about Miller. I just have a hard time with it. Even though whenever I talk to guys about, about Miller, a lot of it is just like, well, we haven't really factored in like, you know, they're like, he's on our board, but he's not going to be there because Charlotte or, um, or the Blazers are going to take him. That's what's been kind of like interesting about that dynamic. What teams did you say are like the most tight net? Like they have like no leaks. Like to me, it's like the Rockets, the Thunder, and maybe the Magic. The Rockets are. I would just have no idea. I would. I would push back on the Rockets. The Rockets are extremely leaky. Um, OKC, San Antonio, Boston, Miami, but that never matters because they never draft anyone. Because Pat Riley hates Boston. Them. Doesn't matter either. They never make the trade. No, but that's the thing though. And like in <laughs> in Boston's defense, and that was also the Danny Ainge thing, is that they would leak all the stuff that they wouldn't do. <laughs> they engaged right. in basically leak warfare, but then the stuff that actually happened was never reported prior. 
Yeah. And so, and especially under Brad, your, your joke does stand, but like with Brad <laughs> Stevens and in, in particular, <laughs> since Brad Stevens took over, it's now like nothing like nothing. Stevens has done a really good job of keeping that under lock, which is really interesting. Cause like, if you, if you know the structure of their guys, it's very easy to identify what changed and why those things, why that dynamic changed. Um, so my, I guess the question here at number three is, Luke, is there is there anything that would interest you at the number three spot, given the uncertainty of where that pick is going? The one thing I will say is like I can't, if he, I would, we do want to add one more thing on this. So Scoop may have done this press conference and talked about playing time. Here are the two things that I have heard: is that he does not want to come off the bench. He has intentions of being like an like he wants to be the dude, um, and that he really likes the idea of New Orleans, like. I my opinion is that Scoot Henderson would prefer a trade to the, a, a trade of the number three pick to New Orleans. That he'd be very comfortable and happy with that outcome. And I think that Portland honestly would create a lot of like ugliness given the situation on all sides. Particularly given that the franchise's best player has openly said he doesn't want to play with a rookie. So um, I, I'm not saying that the Blazers like this is the and this is the thing I wrote about the Blazers really are in a like they're in a standoff. And there's like a staring contest going on. And if you're the Blazers and you're like, but Scoot Henderson's the best player and we need to do what's best for the franchise. <laughs> it just gets ugly. So I don't really know how to bet number three at this point, Luke. Yeah, three to me. I had more interest in three last week when Scoot was the favorite to go number two, where there were possible scenarios of Miller potentially falling to like four or five, which you could get really crazy numbers. Yeah, But with Miller being like, kind of the consensus of two right now. Like if anything, you kind of want to get into maybe like exactos instead of mm. the number three pick, uh, like predicting like the top four or five picks, which I think is really the only way to attack like Brandon Miller value at this point for number two. Brandon, do you have any thoughts on this entire kerfuffle with the trade situation? <laughs> with the- I think it's hilarious that the poor Portland trailblazers lucked into moving up for the number three pick and are now mm. potentially going to luck into what should be the number one pick in any non Wembenyana draft falling to them. And they're like, Oh no, what <laughs> should we do? Like they are about to get like the biggest stroke of luck that they could ask for. And it just happens that the guy is at Dame's position. I, my thought has to be on my scoot rookie of the year pick that we talked about Monday. Scoot getting drafted by Portland with Dame there obviously is pretty much the worst case scenario for that bet. I I don't see that happening. <laughs> Not that Portland can't draft him, but that if they do, I think that the Dame trade request comes like by the end of the draft or Friday morning, and and that starts the next domino effect there. So I hope that that's not the outcome that we get to. I did have a question for you, Matt, on the trades. We talked about the Pelicans and the Clippers, the PG Zion for number three and stuff. What does and stuff look like? Is that salary filler stuff? Is that more assets like Anthony Simons? I'm assuming it's not Shaden Sharp. What what would be your guess on the, like, is the the star player or the number three pick the better asset? Uh, Anthony Simons, Yusuf Nurkic, they are looking to dump Yusuf as much as Yeah, that, that's the salary fill. Um. And then I think probably pick assets. They're like I think that New Orleans I think is is in a pretty good spot because they have both Herb and Trey. They don't need to ask for Shaden because they have wings already, right? So if they don't have to ask for the wings, that helps in those conversations because everybody else is going to be like, we want Shaden Sharp, and that's a the Blazers do not want to give up Shaden Sharp. Like that's that is, I think, a dividing yeah. line in a lot of these talks. I think that's one of the reasons that the Raptors talks broke down as quickly as they did. On top of like, I think that, I, in my opinion, I have not heard what the exact the exact offer was. But if you had me guess, I would say that Masai Ujiri was like, "I'll give you Pascal Siakam for the number three, two first round picks, Shaden Sharp, uh, and your firstborn son." Like that's that's what I think the offer was probably. Um, so, like I said, I don't know that there's like a way to bet number three here other than like. Maybe like if I get to where I just can't break my instinct on it, and this would be an instinct and not an Intel bet. So feel free to ignore this one, but Amon's mm-hmm. 2,200 to go number three. And like, to me, I think that that is long considering what I think of how this is. What's interesting is there's how the rest of there's how the consensus looks, 
but that doesn't matter if the individual player like teams involved in the the, the selection order are not there. Mm-hmm. And so that dynamic makes things a little bit difficult. But I just find that that number to be not accurate given how people feel about Amon Thompson and how they feel about Scoot Henderson, which those two two guys are like those guys are rising in the these could be franchise guys. I just I have yet to hear anybody be like Brandon Miller is a franchise guy. Again, I want to stress. Don't cold takes me on this. I'm going off of what I've been told. Brandon, like I could see Brandon Miller in summer league and be like Brandon Miller, rookie of the year. Entirely possible. I am going off of what I've heard. Um, last thing before we get to best bets real quickly, the possibility to Houston trade out, I think is underrated. Everyone is so focused on, on Portland. Houston has been pretty continuously. They have been in a lot of trade talks. I want to give some context on this. Houston has offers out to multiple veteran free agents already. I'm sorry. They're not. No, they haven't. They can't do that. It would be tampering. They have multiple <laughs> offers out for, for veteran free agents, big name, older guys on big money, short contract. You do that. If you are looking to be good now, like they, they there is a, an edict from this organization to be like, all right, let's get this thing going. No more of a slow buildup. That's usually a bad thing to do, by the way, as an organization. Also it's, problematic when your best player is Jalen green but that if that's where they're at then that means that they're more likely to make a trade because they can get more veteran assets and get more depth here they also already have Jalen green and jabari and alperin shangun for a young core so if they whip out on all of these free agents if all of those guys resign with their with their current teams who are also offering them very a lot of money on those deals if they whiff out completely, they don't need like a franchise guy. Would it be great if they got Scoot Henderson? For sure. They would like if Scoot Henderson fell to four, he's there instantly. Like that, they are they are jumping over each other like zombies to get to that phone. Such but I do think <laughs> but I do think actually I kind of like it because you got Jalen who's more of a yeah. shooter. And no, I love that. That's what I was going to say is your, your almond to number three bet, I think should be an exact one through four outcome. And put Amon at three and then scoot out four, you know Miller to MB1. Just looked it up. No one's offering anything that doesn't. <laughs> you, can't, you can't bet. You can bet Amon top three, but you can't bet the exacto with Miller outside the top three. Now, that's probably for good reason, right? Like everybody agrees Miller's going two. Why would the Blazers pass on him at three? Like, I totally understand. Like, I'm not arguing that the, that the number, that the book is wrong. I am just saying based off of the information that I've heard. And I can just, again, a lot of this is like, I'm not talking to everybody. If I expanded the the reach, my reach, I would probably wind up with a, with a better consensus. And maybe it would reveal that Miller is, I'd be like, Oh no, I was told. Cause like a lot of this is like, I, I made an, a, um, an instinct bet against Chet number two last year and got killed on it. Cause I was just like, I don't think that he's an OKC guy. And then I, I talked to OKC later and they were like, Oh, he's been our guy since November. You know, and you can't even be like, couldn't you have shared that information with me yesterday? Because they'd be like, we don't share any information with anyone. Um, so anyway, I don't, Luke, the only thing on number four is, I think if anybody moves up for number four, it's to get Amon Thompson. Nobody's going to move it up for Cam Whitmore anymore. I do not see a scenario in which any of these guys that have gone off the board, like Kobe Bufkin or anything, goes that high. I don't think Jairus Walker goes there. So it's basically just like a team that looks to get Amon Thompson or Scoot if Scoot were to fall, then I think teams would be like Colin Houston all over the place. Like if, if right. Almond randomly went, or not randomly, surprisingly went three and Charlotte did the Miller thing, then I think Houston's in a great spot to trade that pick. Oh, Whitmore. What a fall from grace. Like it is, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, my God. It's rough. Let's get the best bets because we are deep in the in the clock now. Uh, we'll go around the table. We'll give our best bets for the draft, and then we'll come back and we'll do the cap on it. We'll go around the table in kind of a draft order. Um, it'll go me, and then Luke, and then Brandon. Uh, my three are going to be Derek Lively, top 10, plus 200. Jarris Walker, under six and a half still at plus 100. Trace Jackson Davis, first rounder, plus 300. Uh, Luke, what are your best bets for the NBA draft? So my first one, I'm going to go with Jordan Walsh, round one, plus 2200. Woo! I'm going to go Keontae to be drafted before Hawkins, which is a matchup plus 155. Okay. And then my third one is going to be Asar under five and a half plus 200 ish, okay. um, give or take. And those will be the three. Okay. Brandon, 
I'm excited to hear which of these you've selected to to list here. Uh, as, <laughs> as you, you told me, you told me to list them all, so I'm listing them all. Here, here are my best bets. I got one responsible bet and then some long shots for you. My responsible bet, Gigi Jackson over 26 and a half is minus 160. I'm gonna hopefully use that to fund some of my long shots. So here's the long shots: Jalen Hutchifino, top 10, 20 to one. Derek Whitehead, top 20, plus 750. I like the Jordan Walsh first round pick. I, I think I see a plus 3,000 out there. I'll take it at the 22 if that's the best number. Andre Jackson, first round, five to one also. And then I may do a Big Ten bet. Big Ten first round picks under four and a half, plus 170. But that one is kind of directly in the face of the Trace Jackson Davis. So I'll, I'll talk through them quickly when we get there. Okay. So we'll go in or we'll go around the table here. I'll start with Derek Lively, top 10. Here's how this misses this. The Cam Whitmore thing does mess this up to a certain degree. Um, if Whitmore slides, Whitmore is more likely to wind up in a spot because that means somebody leaped. Um, let me put it this way. No one in the top, no one, the, the numbers narrow here. Is there a possibility that like eight or nine take Lively? Sure. Sometimes that happens where a guy's higher on a board than I've heard. There are a number of teams, including the Mavericks, who own 10 that like Derek Lively. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Golden State Warriors. Um, I have heard rumblings of a few other teams that like Derek Lively that they've been in, oh, they've been in conversations with. The Hawks have basically just been pinging back and forth trade offers with Dallas trying to get that pick. Like they really, part of this is that they're willing to give up DeAndre Hunter because they want to get A.J. Griffin more time. So there's an opportunity for them to, they want more bigs because they're going to move Okongwu into the starting unit and they they need another big, so they're going to go after Derek Lively. Um, I just continue to, to feel like there's enough interest in Derek Lively that we've talked about this on Monday's show. When there is enough buzz around a guy at 10, that winds up getting into those other teams who then take the teams lower, and then they take a look at those guys, and then they're like, oh, hey, like there's, a, there's something really here. Lively's killed the workouts. There's been a, like a lot of buzz around him. So Derek Lively, top 10, plus 200. The way this misses is if, Whitmore slides to Utah at nine and they pass on him and they get go Kobe Bufkin or um, uh, Bilal. Then, then Whitmore slides to 10. And now you get a guy that at one point was projected five before some, what are referred to as yellow flags in a report on the medical side. Mm. I, what's interesting is I heard that it wasn't medical. Like there's been some talk about the medical stuff. But I've heard just like the workouts were really bad. Um which that's it's no a combination reaction. of bad things. Just, yeah, it's a combination of bad yeah. things. So <laughs> if Whitmore goes 10, now Lively bumps. And that's the problem. No, there's more likely that a team reaches for Kobe Bufkin or Bilal than it is for Derek Lively. But I still think that all in all, Derek Lively top 10 plus 200 is good value. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bet that. Um, Luke, give me the cap on uh, a star. Give me the give me the, the cap on Asar. I apologize. Again, if you miss Monday's show, uh, there was an actual athletic article that clearly like did the pronunciation of him and his ulcer, <laughs> and that got stuck in my brain because I was saying Asar the entire time in my head. Uh, give me the cap on Asar Thompson under five and a half. So Asar has, I think he was the first over under, one of the first to come out and his over five and a half, I think got all the way out to minus 300 plus at one point. And it just stayed at five and a half where, you were kind of wondering like why they weren't moving it. I'm not saying they knew anything, uh, but it just stayed at five and a half. And Cam Whitmore has been the automatic guy to slot in at four or five, pushing Asara. And then you hear all the reports about Whitmore falling all the way, maybe even out of the top 10 or nine or 10. And that really has created a situation where the Pistons at five, to me, are one of two guys. It's going to be Asar or Walker, assuming they pick there. And then we have at four reports that some teams favor Asar over Amon potentially, which I don't buy as much because Amon, you're kind of just slotting at four. But the two scenarios there are plus 200, where James Edwards is probably like the main Pistons reporter. I respect and I read all of his stuff. And mm -hmm. he was the guy that actually came out first about Whitmore falling. I'm speaking to the Pistons having no interest in Whitmore. Um, and then he's gone on to have... Asar, number one on his Pistons big board. He came out with a draft guide today, and it was Asar, and then it was Amen, and then it was Whitmore and Walker was how he listed them in that order. 
in his opinion, he nailed their pick last year. And his opinion is just the one that I respect the most when speaking to the Pistons, like his job is the Pistons and just a sorry at plus 200. And I expect this to come down even more. And I bet it under six and a half earlier this morning. I just think we really don't know. And it is really between those two. And I could see a slim scenario that he goes four. And then I also see a, a lot of scenarios that he can go five um, over Walker, where I think people are kind of just slotting Walker in at five, a little bit too much, um, where a SAR plus 200, that is just great value at under five and a half. Yeah, that's just funny is you're going, you're going up against me. And uh, I want to hit this real quick, Brandon, just because we're, we're pinging kind of back and forth. I need to hit this. I've got Jarris. Uh, under six and a half so i get another spot on it so it's possible that like he goes that that asar goes five to the pistons and then jaris goes six to the magic i will say like the magic are more likely to take black like right. they're more likely to take anthony black even if jaris walker is there so a lot of this does get into who do you think goes first jaris walker or or I mean, it's almost an arp like i really do feel pretty confident that's like one of those two people and yeah both of their unders are plus money um, yeah. So, yeah. So you can do you can do both and and orbit, um, because I do I think you're absolutely right. If we put the the top four as Vic, Scoot, Miller, Amon, like four or five used to be Whitmore, Asar, Jarris, and now Whitmore slid. So now it's just Jarris. Right now, I think there's probably some value if you want to orbit the third way. Like I would like I would look at this. What I'll probably do is I'll probably I've got the uh, I bet. Jarrus under six and a half. I'll probably bet on black under two and maybe even do a top five spot for black because he's gotten he's plus 1200 at a book right currently. And to me, that there's a little bit of value on, on that as well. Like Black's a guy that has there has been let me put it this way there's nothing negative that has come out about Anthony Black. Like everyone, like he started off pretty high, like eight, like nine. The Utah Jazz were would be very excited if he was there at nine. And then it's just kind of like, he's just done well and there's no red flags right. and everyone likes him. And, <laughs> you know, he's one of the best scoring guys on the, or uh, one of the best wings on the, on the board. If juice wasn't a thing, which in the draft market for a lot of people, it's not, which is totally fair, but black under eight and a half is probably the best over under on the board right now. Yeah. It, Grady Dick over 10 and a half is not far behind, but like black's just going to go on the top eight. Like here goes six. And he's just... It's so obnoxious that this is, that this number is eight and a half minus three, six. Like, come on, man. Like some of these numbers, I'm just like, come on, guys, <laughs> move the number down and, and give us a little bit better juice on these. Like and They've honestly, and this is the first, actually, I want to say last year was the first year they just started like juicing everyone out because they are creating middles for themselves, but they're kind of just juicing everyone out. And like, if I was a book and I was forced to make draft props, like I would do the same thing. All right, Brandon, where do you want to start with your best bets? Yeah, I'll start with the one that I feel the the over under I feel best about, which is Gigi Jackson going over 26 and a half, aka basically not to be a first round pick. I want give us the not first round pick market, right? We only get the yes first round pick. Give us the nots. This is as close as we get. Gigi Jackson, and it might be listed as Gregory Jackson. It's not up at every book. This is a dude that is one of the youngest players. I think he might actually be the youngest player in the draft, at least youngest American player in the draft. He reclassified up a year and he played and looked young all year. He's immature. He had bad body language. He supposedly has had bad interviews. He had a horrendous shot selection. He played for South Carolina, who has never been good at basketball outside of like the one random final four run a while back. So it's just him. And they're like, hey, you're this hot recruit that we got. Go ahead and do all the stuff that you want. They did all the stuff he wanted. And scouts have not liked him. He's got bad finishing numbers. He's a three to one turnover to assist ratio. I had to flip that around. So I did not give it as a one to three assist to turnover ratio. He's had bad feel. And he has an agent, as far as I know, that has no NBA players. So that's going to hurt the connections and the calls and the trying to, to make up for some of this stuff. I just don't think that he's a first round pick at all. Luke on your spreadsheet tracking. He has just a couple last names on there that are a couple spots where he is, but they're usually more outdated mocks. Yeah. I, I, if I could bet an escalator on Gigi Jackson over 26 and a half, like over 40 to not be drafted at all, I think would not be completely stunning to me. 
just because the second round gets weird in the back half, especially. I, I just think this guy is not going to be a first round pick with the way that all the Intel is looking right now. So this is my one. Uh, it's minus 160 is where I'm getting it. But it, it, this is my one more responsible bet over on Gigi yeah. Jackson. I mean, that, that one is, I think off of like the 20 plus mocks I track, like 20% of them have them in the first. And then it's like 95% of them have the over 26 and a half. So you're getting like a four pick cushion. And this actually opened up at 18 and a half, which where it opened, I am unable to bet it or else I would have smoked it. <laughs> um, right. And well, it's really, it's yeah, not just... a four and a half pick cushion either because your, your spreadsheet stops tracking after the first round and gives guys credit for being 32. And there are right. a lot of mock drafts that don't have him going 32 either. He'd be much lower if, if we were tracking where he really is on some of these. So we'll see. We'll see if he surprises. We're up to now, I believe, 25 guys that have gotten the, the green room invite. 25 is pretty much the first round. Like there are not a lot of other names left out there. Doesn't necessarily mean you're a lock for the first round, but I think that that is telling on some of these markets too. Uh, all right. I'm going to finish up my last one, which is I'm going to go with Trace Jackson Davis. First rounder plus 300. Uh, this is an Intel based only play. There's, there's three teams in the, in the bottom 10 that all like trace Jackson Davis. Um, and so I, I think that honestly, there's like, I think there's a small chance that somebody reaches for him in the back half of the twenties, which would be a reach, but it's not that crazy. Um, there is a chance that those teams pass or trade out and then he just like slides on by. So there's not, this one isn't without risk. Um, none of these are like locks to me. I don't talk about almost anything in those terms, but <laughs> to me with just based off of the Intel trace Jackson Davis, first rounder plus 300, three to one value. When I've got multiple teams that I've heard, at least that he is either at the top of or near the top of their board for where they're expecting to pick that to me is enough for me to get me a plus 300. Um, Brandon, you, however, want to go against it a little bit on impulse. We can talk it out. Yeah, a little bit. So I like the under on Big Ten players. I'm, I'm sure it will shock everyone to find that I am not in love with Big Ten basketball and Big Ten <laughs> players. So Jalen Huchifino and Kobe Bufkin are definitely going to go first round, probably in the lottery. So that's two guys for the Big Ten. The next guys after that, the, the Big Ten possibilities, Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State. I hate him. Like as, from a scouting perspective, he is the guy – he, he is, and I'll just fall on the sword on this one. He's my Walker Kessler, the guy that I wanted nothing to do with last year. I, I, I got it wrong. Bryce Sensabaugh has terrible medicals, it sounds like, from as much as we can tell. We don't obviously know too well. He does not play defense. He's been described as a smaller T.J. Warren. I do not want a smaller, more injury-prone T.J. <laughs> Warren as a first-round pick. Thank you very much. So I would love to bet the no on him. We can't, but this is a way to do it. Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's twin brother, who did not come out last year, else we would have had the Thompson twins, Murray twins last year. Chris Murray to me is is a guy. He's 22. He is 50% worse than all the Keegan Murray things at the Keegan Murray things that he does. And I was low, your member on Keegan Murray in the draft process last year as well, partly because of the age then, and now it's a year later. So I think there's a chance that he could fall out and Luke, in your mock draft, Sensabaugh is out of the first round, about 25% of them. Murray is always in there, but he is slipping to the 24 to 30 range, which means that he's at risk of falling out. Jet Howard from Michigan is another one. Uh, he's another possibility. And then Trace Davis, Trace Jackson Davis. So there are six guys. Two of them are in. I don't love any of the other four. I'm low on all of them. So this is a bet for me on... The under, under four and a half. I need at most two of those four guys. Sensaba, Chris Murray, Jed Howard, Trace Jackson Davis. I'll be honest. When I initially liked this bet, I just was crossing off Trace Jackson Davis because I hadn't really seen him in the picture. So Matt, the fact that you're getting some possible buzz on him getting in there scares me off this a little bit. So I think this is probably a small bet for me because I think Trace Jackson Davis is an elite college player, but I think he might be like... Uh, uh, you know, a four A player as they call them in baseball. Doesn't matter what I think. I get into the round though. So if there's a buzz there, now we got four options and three of them needing to get in to get here. So yeah, I will. And usually these like conference bets, it comes down to like one or two guys. Yeah, like usually right. there's the majority of this bet is locks, where half of this bet 
are so-sos. And if Trace Jackson's going in, like he very well could be taking a guy like Sensabaugh's spot and Sensabaugh falls out. We're like Sensabaugh, like with four or five guys that are iffy, Trace Jackson, that's like a 50% chance of Trace getting in, pushing one of those guys out. Yeah, I I think to me, I think uh, Buffkin and Huchafino are going to go somewhere, like somewhere relatively high. I think there's a pretty good chance for this bet that we get to 22, 24 range, and it's still just those two. And now I'm just counting down picks saying, okay, I just can't get three more Big Ten guys guys in here between Sensabaugh, Chris Murray, Jed Howard, Trace Jackson, Davis. If one of those names was already gone by 23, 24, now I'm starting to be in real trouble. But it's a plus 170. I, I think that the number is slightly in my favor. Uh, I would love a no on Sensabaugh. How do we how do we arb this? Like, what's our value on the arb here in terms of if we do Trace Jackson first rounder? Like, is there a scenario where Trace Jackson is not a first rounder and the over hits? No, I don't think you try that. I mean, there is a scenario, like like as Luke is saying, because if Trace gets in and these other guys are at risk of falling out, then he, maybe he took one of their spots. I think you got to make your choice. If you like the Trace bet, if you like the Intel, then I think you skip mine. If you like mine, then you skip Trace. I, I don't think you want to try to get both because now you're getting in the sixth out of six guys who is lowest on the mocks and you're, you're taking a spot out of your bat. But my, my question here is, can we hit, can you hit both? What, what happens if trace is a first, if trace is in, so we got trace hood, Shafino Bufkin, that's three locks then at that point for first round. So now we can only have one more big 10 guy. Sansapa has got to be out because he's the most likely of the other ones. I think it's probably Jed Howard stays in. Chris Murray's age drops, Sensabaugh drops. My bigger question here is, if ja- if I'm wrong on Jackson, what are the odds that that it hits over four and a half? I mean, that's that's effectively that's the bet I'm making. I am betting that you are wrong on Jackson Davis. If I if I didn't feel that, I wouldn't want to make the bet. So that's why I like the plus one seven. That's, that's why I think I'm going to arbit. Uh, I think I'm I think I am going to bet both because I think I'm going to bet okay. the the Jackson first rounder at three to one. And if I'm wrong, under four and a half hits. That track, I know you hate. Yeah, taking, I think so. I know you hate taking money off of the, the ROI, but <laughs> yeah, I mean the the whole point of me betting the long shots is to get the the tasty number. So, but it makes sense. We we have different philosophies. Your your philosophy makes sense there. All right, uh, Luke, hit me with the the Walsh bet. So Walsh is one at like plus twenty two hundred. Opened at I want to say thirty to one, and Walsh is just one where he could have stayed in school. Um, and a lot of people kind of questioned why he was coming into the draft. And those are the types of scenarios you have to like wonder about like a quote unquote promise if they actually exist uh, because him staying in the draft kind of spoke to the expectation he might have on where he's going to be drafted. And then Wasserman yesterday, who's probably of like those core four going into this year, he was probably like my top guy. Um, and he's been updating his mock multiple times a day, which has been wild with no notification whatsoever. And he all of a sudden put Walsh, I think it was at pick 25 and in one of his Intel pieces that actually aligns with another one I was reading, Walsh was one of the risers he's had. Um, And there were, I think he said four teams in love with him. We're at 30 to one odds, just based off of Wasserman, who I respect a lot. And then kind of, you have to read the tea leaves between why he stayed in the draft and just his overall like evaluation. He's just going to be solid for 10 years in the back half of the, first round of the NBA draft where I think the trades over under is like eight, like literally anyone can go. Um, There's no consensus from picks 20 to 30. And when you look at the first round market, like you have guys that probably should have the same odds as him at minus 200. Um, It's not a real market. And I just think at 22 to one, he's one of the few guys with value that I can totally see getting into the first. Um, And I expect this to come down greatly. Let me jump in because I, I love Jordan Walsh. He is my, as a from a scouting perspective, he's my favorite long shot on the board. I have Jordan Walsh in my lottery. He's not going to go in the lottery. So don't bet that it's not available. <laughs> but like, that's where I have him. He is one of two guys. And I'll talk about Andre Jackson quick here too. I love to bet on elite feel, elite defenders that were like, yeah, but do you do anything on offense? I love to bet on those guys. And I know they miss a lot because suddenly we get to the playoffs and you can't play them. We never get there. The shot never comes around. It's so easy from a scouting perspective to be like, well, that guy can't shoot. Can't shoot, can't play in the NBA. 
Shooting weirdly is one of the things I am least worried about, about players. You can teach guys to shoot. Shooting comes around. You can't teach feel. You can't teach, teach defense and length. Jordan Walsh is six, seven, seven foot two wingspan, nearly a nine foot standing reach. Like he, he, to me is the best defender in the draft. That's not a center. He is a filthy Andre Iguodala type defender. I think he can guard one to five, possibly in the NBA that think like Robert Covington, OG Ananobi type switchy, long defender, shut down perimeter defender that doesn't have an offensive role yet. He has, I think, I think he averaged seven points, four rebounds and an assist at Arkansas. So not a guy that is going to have a, a role out there, but if you can get a defender like that, or if you're a team like the Warriors or the Nuggets, where you've got your offense, you're, you're fine out here. Can you cut to the basket? Can you make a layup or a dunk? And can you play defense and let our offensive guys show up? I like that. The other thing is, I don't know if you saw this report, Luke. I saw a report out of Denver, and maybe Matt, you can you can confirm this as well. Denver, we we think is trading up into the first. That's why they have the 37 and 40 seem likely. And Jordan Walsh is in a one of the Denver articles I saw as a target that they possibly would have as well. So this was to me my long shot pick just on my analysis as a scouting report. And now that there's starting to be a few breadcrumbs of actual Intel report too. And Luke, you and I bet very differently on the draft. I think the fact that both of us like this long shot for pretty different reasons means that you should definitely take a nibble on this because there, there's a little bit of smoke there. And I would play this down. Like, I think getting involved, I would say like all the way down to like seven to one, maybe like it, it's still fun at seven to one. Uh, we're like 22 to one is just like lotto. You're buying an Island fun, but like all the way down to seven, we're like, there's no true odds for this. Like it's seven yeah. to one, I think is honestly more fair Um, where like, I agree with everything you just said. He just, his skill set just translates and you don't find guys like this in the twenties in an NBA draft very often. Um, and I'm surprised it's taken this long for him to get any type of traction. Yeah, so similar type player. Just quickly, Andre Jackson on UConn. You probably saw him because UConn won the championship. He's the guy that like has the crazy advanced metrics for that team. To me, Andre Jackson potentially is wing Draymond. He is the guy that is a really good defender. He doesn't score, but he rebounds. He passes. He averaged almost five assists a game. He facilitates incredible feel for the game. Team guy always in the right spot, plays hard, doesn't shoot, doesn't score. But like, man, if the Golden State Warriors got Andre Jackson, like as the the new Gary Payton the second, or the Nuggets got him to fill that Bruce Brown role, like we've seen these championship teams with this sort of role. Andre Jackson is that sort of guy. He's five to one where I would like it a lot more. I haven't seen as many breadcrumbs there, but I think to what you're saying, Luke, Five to one still seems worth the bet on a guy that I like that there are a few picks in the first. I think that's kind of what Jordan Walsh maybe ought to be as well. All right, let's uh, hit Keontae to go before Hawkins. Uh, Luke, this is the first. You were the, I, I, I am interested to hear <laughs> your, your case for this, given what I've heard about Keontae George. Yeah, so I mean, candidly, I'm on the Keontae over 12 and a half from weeks ago. And he was one guy that's just been slotted like a month ago. He was slotted in the lottery. And it does, his stock has just fallen, fallen right. off a cliff almost, um, where you can see him in mocks in the 20s, um, where Hawkins is also a guy that he is the name brand, I want to say that he was slotted in the lottery at one point, and he's kind of gravitated towards like the 16 range at this point. But over the last couple of days, you have seen a couple mocks that I respect put Keontae in the 13 range, and you have heard about a Keontae promise at from the Raptors, which I don't buy whatsoever. But at plus 155, which, which he was, I want to say, in the minus 200 range a week or two ago, and Nas have just flipped, I think at plus 155, like, there are outs for him to go before Hawkins. Like, I think he has the opportunity to still go in the lottery, potentially, where I don't see those outs for Hawkins whatsoever. I think Hawkins is going to go 16, 17, or later, um, where Keontae's range is just a lot wider. And I think these true odds really should be, like, Hawkins minus 120, minus 125, and Keontae like plus 105 or plus 100, um, where like there are, I was for Keontae to jump him because he just has a lot more volatile range. We could all just be wrong. And Hawkins, I just think, is going to go in the 16, 17 range. 
I've heard the Raptors like both Keontae George <laughs> and Jordan Hawkins. So like, <laughs> and they're at 13. So like now I've have heard that they think that one of them will be, will be there later that they will trade back. So that might be a situation where you might be almost right. Where it's like the Raptors are up, but they think they can get Jordan Hawkins later in the round and, yeah. and they move back to Atlanta. That's entirely possible that, or um, the heat because well the heat love to trade draft pick, draft picks they just love to trade draft picks. yeah i i uh i had this one on my list the other direction as a possibility but only because i have been dying for some way to bet against keontae george looking at the over looking at like some way because we've we've seen all the intel keontae george's interviews tanking he's been dropping his stock is down i like him personally but i'm not privy to all that information yeah, again this is not like all of the stuff doesn't matter yeah training camp opens right and but and at the same time like just to give you like my confidence level on this like if hawkins was plus 155 and keontae was minus whatever (laughs) like i'd be giving out hawkins right (laughs) well that's the thing is like what's really fascinating is there are a whole bunch of shooting guard wing types like that is the the entire cluster of like the 10 to 20 range which means uncertainty which means these guys can go in any order jordan hawkins is one of the older guys in that range and has a really thin frame, uh, which is a, a worrisome combo because there's a less chance that you can kind of fill that out. He gets pushed around a little bit. So I could see that sliding a little bit. Uh, I'll do another one of my bets here because it kind of ties into the glut of shooting guards thing. A guy that actually a lot of analytics and usually someone like myself would not like that much is Jalen Hutchifino. He is a very good at running the pick and roll and really not much else. He's, he was bad defensively. He doesn't shoot a lot. His finishing is bad. There's a lot to not like about him. Uh, Luke, as I've watched your spreadsheets, I've seen him in the mock drafts. I've seen him popping up at times at number nine or number 10. He's not there right now. I don't think any of the mock drafts I'm seeing, but you know, you've got to kind of see these day by day. He's popped in and out of there. I've also seen rumors. Utah has, I believe, nine and 16 or something like that. Utah possibly trading up for the Detroit number five pick. Um, Detroit supposedly is interested in Huchifino. That's one of the names that they've been reported to be interested in. So is that a trade down spot to nine? I don't think they can wait for 16 and hope he's there. He could be, but I'm betting Huchifino top 10, 20 to one, just totally not, not a scouting pick here. This is just on breadcrumbs of Intel of like, I've seen his name on a few of these mocks. I've seen him interested from Utah at nine, from Dallas at 10, neither of whom do I think keep their pick, but you never know at these things. And if there's a possibility at 20 to one, I think it's worth a shot. That's <laughs> him getting the top 10 is like one of the few landmines that is actually a possibility <laughs> that would just create chaos, um, which there was one today. I saw having him at nine um, from someone I respect, but 16 to one, like, given the current state of the market, you can't argue with that. Who falls if, if that's the case, Brandon? Um, Whitmore all the way out? I don't. Then, it's hard to see Whitmore go all the way. I mean, out. that would be. I would and say then, like Hawkins, maybe. And then Detroit goes Osser. Does Jarris fall all the way out of top ten? No, Jarris. I don't think falls out. I don't okay. know. I'm not sure who the, who falls out in that spot. I mean, it's, but, it's okay. Yeah. It's got the uncertainty, like you talked about. Yeah, right? but we've got the we've got the big four. We've got Osser. We've got Jarris. Asar. Asar. Why do I keep? I know. <laughs> uh asar black I, like i will say taylor hendrix is not dropping like i that i feel very confident about taylor hendrix is going to, we'll have to hear that <laughs> that's I, funny I now that you said his name he's he's who i would pick to be the one that would drop out in the scenario you're asking about he's not falling <laughs> i don't think anthony black's falling that's eight so it's like now we're down to like now we're down to two more names i guess like lively i'm fine with bumping that could be i could have just heard yeah him. Maybe. Yeah, but that's probably at number 10. So that's not necessarily helping and us no, here. Is somebody, trading with, is somebody trading with the Mavericks to move up for, I guess that's the, that's the question is, does somebody yeah. trade up with the Mavericks to get Shafino? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's 20 to one. I'm taking a shot. If you're like, I don't care. I got the number. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm doing long shots. Here's my last one. Dariq Whitehead, top 20 at FanDuel is plus 750. Dariq Whitehead, again, for me, two things here. Number one, this is a scouting take from me. I love him. He was a possible, I think he was like, the number one player in high school or close to it. Like he was part of this amazing Duke class. He played the entire year injured. And so he looked a lot worse than he had been, but I think he's been getting much better looks now in, you know, all the workouts and everything. Now that he's been a little bit healthier. There's some injury concerns though. And so 
He's a wing player. He was a knockdown shooter, even at Duke, even with the injury. The explosion, the athleticism he's supposed to have wasn't there this year. So that's the question on injuries. I tend to get suckered into guys that are supposed to be good but are injured, and I don't ever have that information yet. And it turns out that was real stuff, and that's why he fell. I tend to have a guy like that each year. So there's a good chance maybe Dariq is that guy for me. But here's the other side of it. Top 20 is interesting. There's no over-under for him. If there was an over-under, it would be 21 and a half. Here's why. The Brooklyn Nets picked 21st and 22nd in this draft. Dariq White had had surgery on the injury he had all year. His surgery was performed by the Brooklyn Nets team doctor. So the Brooklyn Nets, this is from Sam Vecini on the Game Theory podcast. The Brooklyn Nets have more injury intel than anyone. And for a long time, Dariq was the 21st pick in a bunch of mock drafts. Still is in a bunch of them. That loses my bet. So, (laughs) however, if I know this information that the Nets are the team that would want Dariq Whitehead, we've seen before where it's like, oh, this is a spot. Everyone knows this is the guy who goes at this spot. Well, if you want Dariq Whitehead and you're not the Brooklyn Nets, you got to get above the Brooklyn Nets 21 and 22. Now you hit my top 20. That's my bet. That's the breadcrumbs plus 750 Dariq Whitehead. All right. So you got best bets all around the board here for you to bet the NBA draft. We got Derek Lively top 10 plus 200, Jarris Walker under six and a half plus 100, Trace Jackson Davis first rounder plus 300. Uh, Brandon's got Gigi Jackson over 26 and a half minus 160, Jalen Hood Shafino plus 2000 to go top 10, Derek Whitehead top 20 plus 750 at FanDuel, Jordan Walsh to be a first round pick at plus 3000 uh luke like that one likes that one as well got i will join them i will just tail those two immediately after we get off this <laughs> podcast uh brandon's got big 10 first round under four and a half plus 170 and andre jackson first round plus 500 uh luke's got asar yes yes, yes. i got it asar thompson <laughs> uh under five and a half plus 200 jordan walsh plus 200 and keontae george go before jordan hawkins plus 155 for more coverage of the nba draft make sure to check out the action network app we'll have a friday episode for you recapping the nba draft as well as a look at futures based off of the draft of whatever degree that we can uh we'll talk about that with brandon on thursday night going into friday my thanks to david Payne, our producer my thanks to luke swain for joining us on today's episode check him out at vegas refund Until next time, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.